I praise you, my shield and my buckler. Jesus, you are great and greatly to be praised. You have brought me out of darkness into your marvelous light. I worship you tonight. Thank you for your love toward me. Thank you for your love to me. Thank you for your love reaching to where I was. Thank you for your mercy, Lord. It's because of your mercies alone that I am not consumed. Thank you for your long-suffering, God. Thank you for your forgiveness, Lord, again and again. I worship you, Lord. I worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. When sin would have destroyed me, you rescued me. When sin would desire to destroy me, you delivered me again and again. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your long-suffering. Thank you for your great love. Thank you for taking my place of death, O oh Lord. I worship you, Jesus. I praise you tonight. You are holy. You are righteous, and you are worthy of my worship. I worship you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you because you first loved me. I love you because you first loved me. Thank you for being my friend. Thank you for being my friend. Thank you. I worship you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. I can't do anything without you. I thank you, Jesus. I love you tonight. I love you, and I thank you. I praise your name tonight, Lord. You're worthy of praise. Praise God. What a privilege to call on the name of Jesus. There is no greater honor. I'm thankful for it tonight. I'd like us to agree together in prayer before we open the word. I, um, you've heard me mention periodically the last couple of months a young man named Sean in Pullman. Sean's 37 years old. Him and I met approximately 75 days ago. And uh, he and I spent about a half an hour together FaceTiming, talking, and praying tonight before service. And if there is no miracle, Sean has limited days. Um, as we talked, he texted, we prayed in faith, he has great faith. Um, and I have great faith. I am I am believing God that he is not done. 
let God know that I am not accepting that God is done. Unless he chooses to tell me otherwise. Um, and I am asking you to pray with me. I've talked with God a bit about these things. I've, I'm not begging God for anything. Um, sometimes the intensity that we feel in prayer is, if we're not careful, we can cross into begging God. When, when we're being led of the Spirit, the intensity of the Spirit should take us to a place of understanding we're warring against that which would try to oppose the will of God. Does that make sense? We're warring against that which would oppose the will of God. And so... In our time together tonight, uh, he said, I don't know that I can go any further than I've gone. And in that, he was referencing that I don't know that God can let me go any further than he's let me go. So if he has to get me this far, to have my attention to bring me all the way back to give him glory. I think I'm at the point where I can't go any further. He has, he has decided that there will be no more medicine. And that in his words to me, it's me and him. And I got faith in that. And I told him, Sean, so do I. And there's no better place to be. And so I would like you to pray with me tonight as the Holy Ghost would lead us to pray for Sean. He is battling cancer. There are tumors that are now at the point of closing off his throat completely. And they could, in doing so, close off the arteries that get blood to his brain. And there's a possibility of them rupturing and thereby destroying that artery. Is what the doctors are told and telling him. So they are giving zero time frame. But God. But God. And I'm not above making mistakes and missing it in places of prayer. But I have great faith that God has plans for this young man. And until the Lord shows me otherwise, I'm praying in faith, buddy. Amen. And so I'm asking you to agree with me right now for Sean Daly. In the name of Jesus Christ. Father, you said if two or three would agree touching any one thing in your name, we would have that which we ask. God, I do not ask this for anything of personal gain or favor. I do not ask amiss for consumption on my own lusts. I come in faith for the kingdom of God and the glory 
of God. I come praying healing in Jesus' name. I speak to cancer in the name of Jesus Christ. I speak to spirit of infirmity. It has no power and authority lest you would allow it, Lord Jesus. I plead the stripes of Jesus on Sean's body tonight. I pray complete healing and restoration to the glory and the honor of God. of Jesus Christ in the name that is above every name in the name that is above every name Ilo no no koshita maneketene Ila maturo boshata Rebekita elo boko roboshata In Jesus name In Jesus name mande bekitando Nelo boko shitaba in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. Praise God. You can be seated if you would like to. Thank you, Jesus. Good to see you in the house of the Lord tonight on this nice warm Thursday evening. I'm sure there's many places you could be besides here. I'm thankful that you chose to be here. I, um, before I forget, um, we will not. not start that way. That would confuse somebody. We will be having men's prayer this Saturday, 7 o'clock, as we always do. 
we will be doing so here. We will not be meeting on the mountaintop this Saturday. Brother Joel and I have been talking about it. We're going to get a date, uh, maybe a couple weeks out, maybe as far as three weeks out. We might look at the end of August or end of July. We'll connect. We'll get you a date. So, um, in case you were holding out as men, going, I when are we get the specifics again. Um, so, Amen. But we will have prayer here this Saturday, as usual. And I thank God for the way He's been showing up in our times together in prayer. And the ministry that we've even received from the different ones who have been sharing with us after each season of prayer and a devotion or what have you. Praise God. Also, not this weekend, but next weekend. Uh, that will be the 17th and 18th of July. That Sunday, the 18th, we will be having a combined service with the Union Gap congregation, and that will start at 11 o'clock. There will be no services here. I believe I sent that out already in the WhatsApp, And uh, but I just want you to be hearing that. I want you to be thinking about that. I want us to be praying about that, okay? We should be praying about that time together and what the Holy Ghost will do, and uh, I'm looking forward to that. Amen? I apologize for my voice tonight. Believe it or not, it's getting better. I thank the Lord for it. Amen. In Jesus' name. I don't have COVID. In case you're nervous, I have a common cold. There you go. Those still exist too. I didn't know if you knew that. So you may not want to get real close. But uh, anyway, praise God. There are many things turning in my spirit, and so I'm seeking to push out and listen and wait. And um, I want to go where the Holy Ghost would have us to go tonight. And uh, so I think we're going to go here. Uh, we're going to go back into the Old Testament. I want to go to 1 Samuel chapter 8. 1 Samuel chapter 8. This is the last place I thought we would go. This wasn't even on my radar before service. And quite honestly, these other things that are turning in my spirit, I really want to spend time in. Sometimes the Lord doesn't let us do that. He has perfect timing. Amen? Aren't you thankful for the timing of the Lord? 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse number 4. 1 Samuel 8 and 4, Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel unto Ramah. And they said to him, Behold, you are old, and your sons walk not in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. I want you to notice their words. These weren't just anyone's words. These were the words of all the elders. These were the words of leaders 
These were the words of leaders of families. These were the words of leaders of tribes. They were leaders. These were the elders. This wasn't the young up-and-coming group. These were men that should have known better. I don't even know how to share this today. They should have known better. They had witnessed Samuel's life. They had witnessed the ministry of God to them and through this man Samuel. And yet, they said, make us a king to judge us. But I want you to notice those last four words. Like all the nations. And there in those four words, they revealed the reason for their mistake. Their eyes had been turned from God to the other nations. Somewhere along the journey, the elders started looking at other nations. We should read a little further. Verse 6, no surprise. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. Samuel prayed to the Lord. Now watch the Lord's response. Notice carefully, this is so important, as is all of Scripture. And the Lord said to Samuel, Samuel, hearken to the voice of the people in all that they say to you. I don't know about you. But I'm going to become very concerned as a child of God when I'm praying and God tells me, Samuel, don't listen to the direction I've given you. Listen to the voice of the people. And that's exactly what God told him. Samuel was displeased, as we read in verse 6, because he knew that wasn't the plan or the will of God. And even though he knew it wasn't the plan or the will of God, God knew the hearts of the people. And so God gave Samuel direction contrary to his will. He said, Samuel, hearken to the voice of the people in all that they say to you. Why? 
Samuel. They've not rejected you. They have rejected me. That I should not reign over them. In those four verses we've read, there are probably several hours of Bible study. And we will not spend several hours here tonight, I do not believe. But I feel a strong urging of the Spirit of God trying to caution us and move us in any area where we may need to be moved in closer proximity to him. Would you pray with me again? Lord Jesus, I love you. I'm thankful for your word and I'm thankful for the tenderness of your spirit in which you minister to us by your word. I pray that in this, your holy word tonight, you would speak to our hearts and our lives. Dear God, I pray that your word would not be tainted by my humanity, but that you, Father, would express that which you desire and that alone. And that we would receive your word as you intend it to be received. Not casually, but in the fear of the Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We've already established who these men were. So I would start by saying to you, if you are a leader of a home, if you are a head of home, if you're single, that means you're it. If you are the one responsible for your home, and this would go to husbands and wives collectively, um, I understand first and foremost it would fall to me as a husband but then it falls to my wife and I collectively. But if I do not do my part, the Lord will judge me, I believe, more harshly than my wife for hers. That's another Bible study for another time. So I say first we must recognize who was addressed here, who made this decision. There was something in these leaders of families I don't know what it was, but we recognize clearly that they began looking at the other nations. You understand that the only books preceding Samuel, other than the, the books of the law, are Ruth. And Ruth is just a story of redemption. And so the only other history you have other than the law is the book of Judges. And so you have Abraham's story, Moses' leadership, Joshua's leadership, and then Judges. And you can see through, and the Judges, by the way, weren't just a short period of time. It was 40 years here and 40 years there and 40 years here. There seemed to be something with 40 years. It wasn't always 40, but it seemed to be that way. 
There were years. There were generations. Never a king in Israel. But when Israel came into captivity, God, in his infinite wisdom and by his great power and love and care for the children of Israel, would reach to the heart of a man, would visit a man, and begin to say, you're the one. You know the stories. Sure, there's Samson. That's the judge that, like, oh, yeah, we can see that one, right? I know Hollywood's portrayed him like some massively built dude, like, or whatever. I don't buy all that. I think he probably looked like me. (laughs) Then they'd know it was God, right? Maybe he looked like Brother Joey Charles, right? And he was like, of course, Brother Joey Charles sort of solid, me not so much. I, I, I really, I don't, I really don't believe that Samson was like this Mr. Atlas guy. When the Spirit of the Lord moved upon him, there was a supernatural strength that came. He was a judge. He wasn't a king. He was just a chosen man at a chosen time to lead the people of God. So the enemy could not triumph over them. Understand? You say, well, I'm no Samson. Okay. You can read another place. There was a man named Gideon. Remember him? He was real bold. He was hiding out behind the wine press, threshing wheat. He wouldn't even go to the wheat press to thresh it because he knew people might look for him there. So he went to the wine press when it wasn't seasoned and hid there to thresh wheat for his family. Real brave soul. And the Lord chose him. And through Gideon, the Midianites were destroyed. Gideon wasn't a king. That was God's plan. You can keep reading through the Judges. It's a wonderful book to read. But God had, the children of Israel had history. And if you and I sit here tonight and we're honest, if we've lived for God any length of time, I think we have some history. I I think we can look back and say, man, I can tell you some things God's brought me through. I can tell you some things that had it not been for the hand of God, I wouldn't be standing here. Had it not been for the sure mercies of God, I would have been lost. Had it not been for the long suffering of God, I would have given up a long time ago. Had it not been for God intervening, I don't even know how he did it, but surely it's the hand of God that spared my life and allows me to be here today. Were it not for God's mercies, all of us would be consumed. We have enough history to look back. Maybe a car accident that should have taken our life. Maybe a circumstance and situation we should have never been in the middle of. But we were because of sin and God spared our lives. Some of us on streets, some of us in drugs, some in precarious situations. But God saw fit. And we have history. There was no king but one. His name is Jesus. And his love for us kept us when we should have been dead. Some of us have faced medical situations in our life that if we knew the whole story, they would have taken our life had God not said, not yet. I believe that with all of my heart. I believe there are some of you in this room that if the adversary would have had his way, your health would have been gone and you would have died. But God said, not yet. 
we have situations and circumstances, and if we took time and I passed the microphone around and we won't, we could share story after story, I'm sure, where God has preserved us. Amen? Can we just thank him for that right now? I think we should thank him for his preserving power, for his keeping power, for his love for us, that we weren't destroyed while we were out in the world doing those things of the world. Thank you, Jesus. 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 And so you see, these elders of Israel, they too had stories. They too, they had history to look back on in their families and see where God had always been more than enough. But they begin looking at the other nations. Please hear me, precious people of God. Our downfall begins the moment our eyes begin looking to the world. I'm going to say it again. Our downfall begins the moment our eyes begin looking to the world. The world system is not, will not ever be the answer. Ever. Better job. Nothing wrong with a better job. You understand what I'm saying tonight? Our eyes must not look to the world. I've watched. I've watched young people become adults. And become destroyed because they started looking to the world for what they thought love would be rather than looking to Jesus. And the adversary said, if I can just entice them, it would entice them to the world. And the moment you begin looking to the world, I promise you, it displeases God. But God has Always preserved his people. But they look to the world. And I have watched families crumble. Uh, There's a time I couldn't say that. But fortunately or un- the results aren't fortunate. But fortunately I've lived this long. Unfortunately long enough to see these things. I've watched leaders of homes begin to look to the world. And I've watched their homes begin to crumble. You see, this isn't something new. It's as old as time almost. The elders of Israel were looking to the other nations, and their looking to the other nations was looking to the world. Their eyes were supposed to be on God. God had given them a prophet to be the voice of God for them and to them, and it had never failed. But the allure of other nations, I don't know if it was when they went out to fight that the other nation had a king and that was like something they felt like they were missing. I don't know. I I know it wasn't social media. 
I know it wasn't television. I know it wasn't smartphones. Now, all those things are in our world today. Now, hear me. There ain't a thing wrong with this device. Not a thing wrong with it. You believe that? The issue is what do you do with it? If this is your window to the world, it's sin. Well, here we are. If this is your window to the world, it's sin. What are you doing with the device? You know, when I was a kid growing up, you guys can tell I'm getting slower in my old age, can't you? When, when I was a kid growing up, um, there were some preachers. Matter of fact, one of them was my youth pastor when I was a kid. <laughs> this is funny. He's told me the story personally, so I know it to be true. When he first became a pastor, he said he would go around and drive around the town where he pastored to people's houses that were in his church. And look in their windows, trying to see if they had a TV or not. No, I've never done that. I have no intention of doing that. Now, but when I was a kid growing up, our pastor preached, you don't have a TV in your home. Now, my pastor could still preach that today. But I got one of these. I have more access here to probably anything else in the world. And so you see, I'm not saying that my pastor was wrong. We followed his instruction. We followed his instruction. Why? Because he was seeking to save our soul. All right? But it's come to the point where we can't say, don't have a smartphone, don't have a TV in your home, don't have a computer, don't have a laptop. Don't have the internet. I, I know that there were some pastors along the way that preached don't have an inter- you shouldn't have the internet. Somebody wrote a book about it even. I don't know who wrote the book. If you go look that up, that wasn't some, all right? But hear me. The issue is with me. With my heart. Is he my king or am I looking for another Does he reign or, you know, the church has gotten old-fashioned. You know, it it worked good back in the judges. And it worked worked good before, but, you know, Brother Hart, this is 2020. And, you know, that's old-fashioned, the idea that we shouldn't go to movies and we, we shouldn't be entertained by everything that Hollywood brings at us and and we shouldn't feed all of that into our spirit and and we you know that's old fashioned we've moved on we're more mature than that it's a lie from the pit of hell we start looking to the world and things begin to crumble
I'm not. Now, some of you, if you're sitting here, you're saying, you mean you mean to tell me you don't, you've never watched anything from Hollywood? No, I'm not telling you that. I'm telling you I have the wherewithal in about a minute or two whether I can shut it off or not. I can also tell you time. There's, I, there's been times I've probably gone 30 or 40 minutes and then I've shut it off and I went and repented that I let it go that long. Is this too honest? Is this too real? I want you to be saved. We need him to be our king. And the deception of the world. You see, they looked at other nations. What does the adversary do today? He doesn't get you and I going around looking at Canada and Mexico. Although my wife looks at Mexico and says, man, those beaches. and Oh, wow. But, no. but the adversary doesn't do that anymore, right? He doesn't have us go look. I mean, you know, sometimes I look at pictures of Italy. I'll be honest. I'm like, oh, man. You know? but, but you understand what I mean. We don't go around looking at other nations and going, oh, I wish, I wish. That's what Israel did. But the God of this world still works the same. He wants to get our eyes looking outside of the kingdom of God. He wants to get our eyes looking for other things to rule and reign in our life. As though they would, see, here's the deception. My life would be better if. I would be happier if. Oh, that would be so fulfilling to me. Moses had the wisdom of God to recognize. The writer of Hebrews said that he chose to endure the affliction of the righteous rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He wasn't denying that sin can be pleasurable, but he understood sin's pleasurable, but it has a cost. And you're going to gamble? You're going to gamble? That's what it is. It's gambling. I'm going to play this game of sin. And let's see how long I can play and if I can get away with it. And then I'll time it right and I'll run back. It does not work that way. The adversary says, let me get him enticed. Let me entice. Every man is enticed when he's drawn away of his own lusts. Then lust, when it's conceived, brings forth sin. And sin, when it's finished, brings forth death. The elders started looking at other nations. And the result that we read was they rejected God. Now I have a question for you. If you were to ask of those elders, do you realize you're rejecting God? What do you think they would have said? They would have said, no, we're not, wouldn't they? Why would they say they weren't rejecting God? Well, we're God's people. I mean, like, here, here's what they would say today. And I, this is why the Lord didn't let me know we were going to do this, see. Here's what they would say today. Yeah, but I go to church. Oh, yeah, but I was baptized in Jesus' name, and I received the Holy Ghost. That's what we'd say today. Why does it matter if I'm looking to the world and I've rejected him from being my king? I was baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. I go to church twice a week. 
There's a special service I even show up. I cry sometimes and break through. I still want a king like all the other nations. See, they would justify their rejection of God as though other actions could offset their rejection of God. And if you and I aren't careful, we'll do the same thing. You and I do understand we can't do enough good to deliver ourselves from sin. Do we understand that? I don't care if I've prayed and fasted the last 23 days, been in the spirit every day. If I walk out of here, and when I walk out of here, I decide something crazy comes over me, and I decide to kill an individual, and I don't have a moment of repentance, and a car comes and kills me, you think, oh, well, you know what? He was in the spirit on the Lord's day all the way up until... Yes, he took a life which was contrary to what he knew it was wrong. He committed sin. He never repented of his sin. But you know what? All the stuff before covers that sin. Do you think that? See, we, 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 we get, the adversary gets us to entertain these thoughts of justification for our life, looking to other nations, looking to the world, justify. I had no idea we were going to be here where we are. Thank you for trusting me enough. We, we, the Lord's trying to reach us somehow. He, there, he's wanting to get something into our spirit. We need a hatred for sin. We need a hatred for sin. I don't mean like where I pick out stuff and name stuff. and I don't mean that. I mean where the spirit of God lives in me. The love of God dwells in me so much so. That when sin would try to come, that the Spirit of God, I recognize, it displeases God. And so, therefore, it repulses me. You understand? I'm not talking about going around and saying, ah, this is that, and this is that, and you're this. I'm not talking about that garbage. I'm talking about being so consumed by the Spirit of God. Him being our King, where He rules and reigns in our heart. That if I were to begin watching something on my phone, in a moment I reckon, hold on, that does not please him. No! No! I want to be that close to him. I want to be that intimate with him. I want to be that personal with him. I want to be that real. I want him ruling and reigning in every part of my heart, in every part of my thoughts, in every part of my life. And if it can happen to the elders who had lifetimes of experience, if I do not keep my eyes fixed on him, it can happen to me. They got their eyes off Jesus. Well, off the Lord. Jesus hadn't come yet. Now, I'm going to try to finish. We read verse 7. I want us to see it again. The Lord said to Samuel, hearken to the voice of the people in all that they say to you. I was asked this question. Where was I asked this question at? Oh, I think it's in all these college kids at my house. Man, you want to get asked questions. Have college kids from Bible school at your house. Um. I think we probably could have went all night and all day if we'd let them. 
and uh, or if they'd let me, maybe a little bit of both, we had to balance it out. But um, there was a question about would God answer prayer or request of an individual if it wasn't his will? I got all of you thinking now, don't we? Well, I have a question for you. Was it the request of the children of Israel to have an earthly king? Was it the will of God for them to have an earthly king? Did the Lord answer their request? My grandmother would always quote these things to me from Scripture. I don't know if... I don't even know if the two verses are together or if it's one verse. I've never looked this up. I probably read it. I'm sure I've read it. I just, anyway. But my grandmother would always quote it like it was one verse. So I'm not telling you that it is. But my grandmother would always say, Joey, the Lord will give you the desires of your heart. But he will send leanness to your soul. He'll give you the desires of your heart, but he'll send leanness to your soul. And I remember her telling me that. And I, she, would all, she had me, I guess it was just the Lord knew she'd get me thinking, I don't know. So it always had me pausing before I would pray for the desires of my heart. Does that make sense? And as I've gotten older, I, I have I've prayed this way, Lord, if you'd help me by your grace, I don't want the desires of my heart. I want your desires. I want your desires. And the desires of my heart that aren't yours, God, I'm asking you somehow take them away. Or reveal to me the things in my life that give avenue to cause me to desire things that aren't of you. What am I doing that's feeding that hunger that yet it isn't your desire? Help me to close those doors. Help me to shut those things off. I want the desires of your heart. And I definitely don't want leanness in my soul. This is how given God is. To free will. The people wanted a king. And so God told his prophet. Listen to the voice of the people. And all that they say to you. The Lord was telling them. Do what they ask of you. Why? Because I've purposed to give them free will. And they, in abundance, have made it clear what their will is. So Samuel, man of God, give them their will. But no, they're rejecting me. Pretty powerful, isn't it? Mining your will. 
That's why Jesus wrestled so much in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's human will. It's human will. But we have to recognize, and I'm finishing. We have to be, number one, we have to be honest with ourselves. Before God, before our brothers and sisters, we have to have an honesty and an accountability. It says, hold on a minute. So that I am not entertaining the things of this world that would cause me to put anything else in place in reign in my life. This was an issue as who would reign. Notice those last six or seven words in verse 7. The Lord said, they've rejected me. And here's the last seven words. That I should not reign over them. That was the issue that they were wrestling with. They didn't mind God being their king as a figurehead. They just didn't want God telling them what to do. There's the issue. There's the issue with you and I in our walk with God. They wanted God to be their figurehead. We are, Sister Julie said it, we are the people of Israel. We are the chosen people of God. But we don't want God telling us what to do. We don't want him to reign over us. Sort of like England, although England didn't exist yet. Right? Like, you know good and well, the queen, she, ain't, she can't do nothing. I mean, she's, she's got like a title. She's got authority in that family, I guess, but she doesn't run England. You know that, right? This isn't shocking anybody, right? Well, what? No. Uh, right. You, you understand, Queen Elizabeth doesn't run England. It's just, it's just a title. It's a figurehead. It's, it's for show. It's, it's to look good. It's for promotion. It's all. This is what the children of Israel, I think they saw that in other nations. They're like, give us a key. We, you know, we, we'll still, God will still be our God. We'll keep him over here. You know, we'll make, we'll make sure he stays in that place where he's our figurehead, but we don't want him reigning over us anymore. And what happens if you and I are not careful? This is so important. Precious people, none of this is preordained in my thoughts at all. I wasn't even thinking about 1 Samuel before 10 until 7. I wasn't even thinking about 1 Samuel. The Lord is trying to arrest our attention and our hearts in some way here. If I'm not careful, I make God a figurehead in my life. And I say I'm a child of God. I'm a son of God. I'm filled with the spirit of God. But I don't let him reign in my life. I don't let him tell me what to do. I don't let him correct me. I don't respond to his correction. I don't let him direct my life. I don't let him tell me where to go or not to go. I still choose and do my own thing. I don't let him reign over me. He's my king of convenience. And when that happens in my relationship 
God says, I've rejected him. I've rejected him. In other words, I've said, God, I can run my life better than you can. Or else I'm saying, I like running my life more than I want you running my life. We need to pray together for a minute. Come and talk to the Lord, would you please? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Lord, you see every precious person in this room. You know our hunger and our desire towards you. And you and your love and your mercy are appealing to us tonight because of your desire to truly be the king of our lives. You're not a hard king. You're a king that's filled with love that would rule and reign in our lives far better than I could ever run my own life. The way that you would order my steps would be far more perfect and powerful than anything I could do in my own ability or efforts. I'd just make a mess. But God, some of us, we've been deceived by looking to the world and the things of the world and taking away that which should belong to you, that place of authority. Speak to us tonight, Lord. Speak to us tonight, Lord. Speak to us tonight, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now what's interesting, if you and I were to read the rest of this chapter, we won't read it all tonight. Verse 8, the Lord, in talking to Samuel, reveals what he has known all along about the hearts of these men, the elders that asked this request, the children of Israel. According to all the works, see, this didn't just happen overnight. They didn't just get up one day and go, you know, it would be nice to have a king. I think we're going to tell Samuel that. That's what the Lord's saying here. Hear me. Homes that crumble don't crumble overnight. People that walk away from God don't walk away overnight. Doesn't happen that way. Doesn't happen that way. Didn't happen that way with the children of Israel. The Lord said, according to all the works, that's the things they were involved in. According to all the works which they've done since the day I brought them out of Egypt, even to this day. What happened? God brought them out of Egypt. But they never got Egypt out of their life. They kept looking back to Egypt. They kept looking to other nations. They kept looking back. To the world, they kept looking to the things of this world. They kept looking, and their actions proved it. 
the works which they've done since the day I brought them out of Egypt to this day. Their actions revealed what their mouth was now declaring. Wherewith they've forsaken me and they've served other gods. Now, if you ask those elders if they had forsaken God and served other gods, what would they have told you? We don't have any idols. Come check my tent. There's no idols in here. Look. You see any? Oh, no, that's just my water bottle. No, look. No idols in here. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I don't have any idols. No idols, God. Really, no idols. Nothing, Lord. Nothing. No other gods. That's what they'd say. No idols in here. Forsaken God? No, 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 I haven't forsaken him. Don't you see me standing in my tent door every Sabbath with everybody else? I haven't forsaken him. They had started looking. They had started looking. So... The Lord said, they've forsaken me and served other gods, so do they also unto you. Now, if you read the next rest of the verses, we're not going to read them. The Lord tells Samuel, Samuel, you're going to do what they ask. But Samuel, here's what I want you to do. I want you to tell them what it's going to be like. Tell them. And so Samuel obeys God and does. Here's what's going to happen. If you have a king, he's going to take your children. It's one of the first things he told them. Read it. He's going to take your sons. I'm telling you what I feel in the Holy Ghost tonight. Someone please hear the adversary's no different. His tactics haven't changed. Dad, mom, if you'll just let the world in your home, if you'll just let the things of the world in your home, if you'll just let these things, ah, oh, it's okay, it's no big deal, it's 2020. You just entertain stuff that's clearly sin. You just give room to things that are clearly sin. I'll tell you what you're doing. You're rejecting God. You're letting something else reign in places that it should never reign. And what it will do, it will take your children. Samuel said, they'll take your he'll take your sons and make them serve them. And that's exactly right. You can read down through all that stuff. I know this is strong tonight. I'm trying to deliver it the way the Lord's bringing it right now. He'll take the tenth of your seed. He'll take your vineyards. What's he saying? He's going to start taking from your finances. He's got the things that I've given you. He's going to start taking those things from you. This is how the adversary works. When we begin to give him room. And we don't let God be king. 
Praise God. Stand with me, please. Jesus. Jesus. I'm just going to open this altar to you. I, I'm done. I just feel like I need to open the altar to you. Would you find a place of prayer? You respond to the Lord as you see fit tonight. Let him talk to you. Come on, it's the love of God here tonight. It's the love of God reaching to us. He's asking us to let him be king. He's asking us to maybe reconsecrate. Maybe it's just a reconsecration that says, Lord, you're my king. You're my king, nothing else, no one else. Illuminate to me places in my life where maybe I've let something else get in the way. Illuminate to me any place where I've started entertaining things of this world that are contrary to you and your word that would hinder you from reigning in my life as you want to. God, cover my children. God, cover my children. God, cover our home. God, do a work in our lives. We want you to rule and reign. We want you to be the king. Oh, we know you won't become king by force, but it's by us choosing to give up rule in our own heart. It's us choosing not to take the place on the throne, but give it to you. I pray, Lord, rule and reign in my thoughts, in my actions, in my doing, in my heart, in my spirit, O oh God. Forgive me, Lord, forgive me where I've opened doors to this world that would entertain such things that are not pleasing to you. I want you to be king. Tell me what pleases you. Show me what pleases you. And by your grace, I'll do it. Show me what displeases you. And by your grace, oh God, I will repent. And I will remove it, oh Lord. I want you to be king in every part of my life. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, he is a good king. He rules in love. He rules with compassion. He rules with mercy. He rules with your and my best interests in mind. He is a good king. Jesus, we look to you. 
Jesus, we look to you.
Jesus' name. We must understand the adversary is subtle. He has always been. He's subtle. And so he desires to get us a direction and we don't even recognize later that we've gone that direction. I want you to watch. We read there in 1 Samuel. The Lord said to the children of Israel, Samuel, they've not rejected you. They've rejected me. It was... A few thousand years later, the elders of Israel once again stood. And the elders of Israel stood before Pilate. And Pilate said, what should I do with this, your king? And the elders of Israel said, we have no king but Caesar. Those who had spent their lives studying the scripture. And teaching the scripture. Never allowed the God of the scripture. To reign in their heart and their thoughts and their actions. And when the God of the scripture was robed in flesh. And stood in front of them. And even a heathen identified him as their king. They declared with their own mouth, we have no king but Caesar, the king of Israel. You know what's so crazy about that? Caesar was the ruler of the Roman Empire. He was the one responsible for their bondage. They preferred what they had in this life. And therefore, they're looking to care for themselves in this life. Cause them to reject the one that if they would have let him rule in their hearts would have guaranteed them eternal life. We have no king but Caesar. I love you, precious people. But if I ever lead you to believe that just because you come to church and worship together and do all those things, 
just because you've been baptized in Jesus' name, and you should be. Just because you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, and you should be. That you can now run your own life, and you'll make it to heaven. I'm sorry. I can't find that in the book. When I look in the book, if that's the way you choose to live, heaven will not be your home. He has to be your king. You don't get to and I don't get to be king here. And then when I die, oh, now I want you to be king. Doesn't work that way. This is the reason Jesus told his disciples, when you pray, pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom. your dominion to come not in the earth and the natural here the kingdom of God is not here or there the kingdom of God is within you where the king reigns is within you and so every day we start in a place of prayer dying to this man by saying thy kingdom come rule and reign in my heart today Rule and reign in my thoughts today. Rule and reign in my spirit today. Because I want to declare, I have no king but Jesus. I have one king. It's Jesus. I have a gracious king. It's Jesus. He is my king. He rules and reigns in my heart. And in my life, everything I am, everything that I have belongs to him. He is the sovereign king. And when we get to heaven, there will be one, the scripture says, one that sits upon the throne. And his name is Jesus. And what he is asking of us tonight is that we settle the issue of who's king now. We settle the issue now. By its free will. Because the day will come. You know it. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. That Jesus Christ is Lord. I can't just say it. My life has to prove it. Amen. And there ain't a one of us in this room that can prove it in our own ability. But we can be filled with the spirit of grace. The Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost can daily lead us and guide us. And we can be obedient to the Holy Ghost. And that proves who's king. Amen? Proves who's king. Aren't you thankful that you know him? Lord Jesus, I love you. I love you because you first loved me. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the precious people of God.
I pray daily, lead us and guide us in your word. Be the king of our hearts, the kings of our home, the king of our homes, the king of our marriages, the king of our lives, the king on our jobs. Rule and reign in every facet, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. And I thank you, Father. And I thank you. Praise God. May the Lord Jesus Christ bless you. Thank you for your openness to the word of God tonight. I love you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.